Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is fitness coach and ex-serviceman, Johnny Collins. We talk about life after school. We talk about joining the army. We talk about discipline. We talk about the interpersonal politics, I guess you'd say, within squads and platoons. We talk about being a medic in Afghanistan. We talk about life after the army in terms of business, setting up businesses. We talk about being a life coach and a fitness coach. We talk about expanding your mind. We talk about personal accountability. We talk about holding the people that you're training accountable. We talk about everything that he's up to in the fitness world. We talk about philosophies on mindsets. We talk about a whole bunch of things. I found this conversation to be really stimulating and really validating, I guess, in terms of some mindsets that I've been trying to adopt over the last couple of years. Um, really, really great chat. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. It was really good to have his time and uh, sit down and finally have a proper conversation. So here it is, Johnny Collins on The Giant Pod. Enjoy this one. Johnny Collins, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Where should we begin? Like, you know, because you're a, you're a, would you say you're a fitness guru, a fitness coach? What, what, how do you describe yourself? Because I've been trying to, because people have been saying to me, oh, who have you got on the pod today? And I've been trying to sort of not box you in, but like, I, I found it difficult to sort of get the right, the right title for what you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I always just say men's coach, right? Because right. it's the easiest thing. I definitely steer away from the guru word. Yeah. Um, but also, like, lately, I've kind of been veering away from just being a coach and trying to get my hand in more fitness stuff. Um, I did a, I opened up a cookie butter company, then if you saw that. Um, Tell me like, about this. It, it's, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. It came up because I was like, this, well, my marketing guy for TBM was like, oh, I want to do some e-commerce. Like, I'm not sure what to do. And I really wanted something for myself. So I kind of convinced him that he should do this high protein, amazing macro split cookie butter. Um, so we, you know, we spent loads of time and money creating this thing um, that was meant to be amazing. Um, and it was, it was super, super good. And I was like, yeah, fitness entrepreneur. I've got all these different things. And I had this like steal my membership group. I got my men's coach and I had the cookie butter. But then I realized real quickly, um, I'm a coach. Like right. I am a coach. All I want to do is coaching people. And uh, I actually really recently, in the last few weeks, kind of exited the cookie butter. Uh, even though it was amazing, you can go on the site, you can still buy it, and it's like back-to-back five-star reviews. Yeah. Uh, everyone's loving it. I, I still buy it. But um, yeah, I am a coach. That is my passion. That is what I do. Men's coach. <laughs> I found it so odd. So I've, I've, I've left the cookie butter world yeah. behind because this is my true It was calling. painful, but I, <laughs> I'll still eat it, but I will not sell it. Right. Interesting. <laughs> so where do we where do we begin with this? Because I, I know that you're, you know, would you, you call yourself a veteran, an ex-serviceman? What, what what where do you go with that? Um I know I don't really um I know a lot of people kind of people are like crazy for an identity. People want to be called a certain thing and people leave the army and they they're so fredders with leaving, they call themselves a veteran, but I don't really um, ever refer to myself in that sense. You know, if someone, if I'm talking to a guy on the phone who wants to join the military, I'll be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm ex-military, I can help you with that, with the fitness side of things. But as far as identity goes, um, I'm not big on the whole veteran thing. It's not, it's not a central part of my business at all. Right. Um, I was, you know, I was in the for six years. 
It's not a, it's long, a long time. Uh, well, for someone that hasn't been in for any years, it might right. be. But most, you know, most of my friends that are still in now have done, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, yeah, six years as far as a life goes is not a, it's not a super long time. Not a long time. At what age do you think is the right age to duck out of, of the military? Like, I know that, you know, you can progress up the ranks and, you know, I was in army cadets for a while and, and it's totally not the same thing, but there are parallels to it. Yeah. You see a lot of the, the higher ranking guys are a lot older. Um, at what age do you think is, is where, when do people mostly kind of go, all right, I've done my time now. Let's just do something else. Uh, it depends what you want. I, Looking back, I think I ducked out at the exact right time, right. right? Like perfect. I was I was 25, still young enough to start my own business and not not in any sense of the word, like institutionalized. You get a lot of guys leaving after 15, 20, well, even 22 years and then they've got to get this normal job and it's nails. Like it's just going from that being, especially if you, you reach a high rank, going yeah. from that and then coming out the civvy street and not really having any... And like, yeah, you're used to like saying something and it getting done. And you're used to a certain amount of respect and you have status within mm. within the military. And but also the rank. way you talk to people. Right, it's okay, so it's a culture, different. right. Yeah, 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 people find it really difficult. But I, I didn't at all, like, because um, when I, I came out and I immediately worked for myself um, and I was ambitious and disciplined, so I kind of found it easy. I obviously had to learn about business and how the world operates outside the military. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't have... I didn't have someone younger than me barking orders at me, telling me what to do. I didn't have to kind of manage some sort of civilian job. I just ducked out, did my own thing, um, so I could learn quickly, basically. Yeah, I like to think that when I see someone who's ex-military, like that, I kind of I recognise them. Do you see that when you if you're walking around the street and you see a guy and you're like, yeah, I reckon you're ex ex army or you're ex this. Do yeah, you... but but there's two there's two waves to it. Right, like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like you can see you can see someone. I could meet a guy um, and he's just like super switched on the way he presents himself, the way he talks. Obviously, the language he uses, loads of slang terms. But just because he's a good bloke, I'd be like, this guy's definitely served. But then there's another side of that where you can just see someone who is just. In, in a really negative way, like, I don't know, like he's biffed up, they call it, if you know, you're, you're always injured, so you wanna get out of things and you kind of think that you're entitled to something you're not, you kind of think because of your position, you can talk down on people and you'll be like, oh, this guy's served before. There's, so there's two like clear, <laughs> clear right. paths. So it's not always, if I say, oh, that guy's definitely served, it doesn't always mean they're a good bloke. I'd say it's like a 50-50 split. Okay, and can you usually tell like who's been a Rupert and who's been like an NCO? Mm. Oh, or... easy, yeah, 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 super, super easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's clear as clear as day. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, even <laughs> like, yeah, even the short time I spent in the army cadets, I feel like the experience I got from that was it was like it was the army, but on a much smaller sort of level. But there's still things from that I've taken away that when I talk to people like yourself, it's like, oh, it's the same. It was the same in there mm. as it was in the in the big thing because they try and simulate it, don't they, as mm. much as they can without it being too obviously too hardcore because you're sort of teenage kids and stuff. But yeah, it's, in, it's an interesting, the military is a, a world in itself, isn't it? Definitely. De but then there's, there's loads <clears throat> of parallels between, the, like people think the military is this like super, super different thing. But the more that I've got friends that have come out and gone into like the corporate world, for example, they'll be like, dude, it's exactly the same. Like right. if, it's a, if it's a high stress job with a close knit where you all depend on each other and you kind of work around the clock and it's high pressure environments, it's the same thing. You've got some people that you can tell have like got in there because they want the power and the positions and they came from maybe money, like a different sort of family, just like the officers might have. Yeah. Um, you can see the guys that kind of worked harder to get up there. There's the same sort of 
dynamics between people, it, I don't think it's, it's separate to the military. It's literally a high pressure job that takes over your life. Everyone's going to act the same. Yeah. It's, it's human nature at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And, and when you were in the army, did you see the guys that were coming out of like Sandhurst and stuff like that? Who, and did you, did you feel like they had to like earn their respect mm. and things like that? Because that's something I've kind of cottoned on to as well is that, you know, you've got the guys that have been really close. They've been through training together and they've done this and that. And then maybe this guy comes in from an army college and it's like, <laughs> oh, all of a sudden we have to answer to this guy, but he's not gone through all the stuff that we've gone through and stuff. How, how does, have you met people along the way where you've been like, this guy's done, he's done with us, he's over. <laughs> and have you, or have you met other guys where you're like, you know what, he's one of us actually. Yeah, do you know, there's, there's obviously like different types when it comes to officers. So you've got like the one pips, like the second lieutenants, right, who, and it's, it's a really weird dynamic because they are technically higher rank than any soldier, even up to the point of like warrant officer. Right. But it is known and implied that they just, they haven't got any voice, any voice at all. So they're, ha they're happy to kind of sit back. So every so often, if the right people are around looking at them, they'll, they'll speak up and try and get control of the blokes. But it is super known and implied. They have no experience. Like they're not, even a Tom that's come back from deployment and they've right. just come out of Sandhurst, they're not going to be barking orders to this guy. They're going to be, you know, almost following his lead in a way, right? But then you've got um, some guys that have been soldiers all the way up to, I don't know, Lance Jack Fullscrew and then decided they want a commission. Yeah. Uh, like I've got a good friend um, who did exactly that. And then he was a second lieutenant, but demanded respect because he'd been there, he'd deployed, he'd, he'd, he'd done the business, he was a good bloke. So obviously more people are going to listen to him. So when the shit hits the fan, that's the guy you want to be under. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, if the shit hits the fan, you it's not going to be a second lieutenant calling the shots. He'll be looking to the, to the stripey, the, the sergeant, like, what do I do? Right. <laughs> he's, not, he's not going to be like, right, guys, here's the crack. It just, it wouldn't happen. So tell me about, so you leave school. Um, do you go in straight into work or do you go straight to the army? What happens? Where's your, where's your sort of journey to that, that world? Um, so I went straight to Carpentry College in Trowbridge uh, and it was a two-year course. That's where and I honestly just, when I was a kid, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I, right. And I didn't really care. I was just like, oh, I'll just do whatever, fall into whatever. Um, I knew I wasn't going to go to university. It just wasn't my thing. I wasn't like an academic. I was pretty switched on, but just not academic. So I went to Carpentry College. Um, after a year, I got kicked out of it purely because I just, I, I, uh, <laughs> I could never stay focused on one thing. So my mum got a letter after a year, right, on summer leave saying, uh, Johnny can no longer come back due to the following reasons. And it was like lack of theory work, lack of practical work, behavior, attitude, lateness, just all of the stuff because I was going there to have a good time, right. to mess around with friends. Yeah. Um, and then, like put off actually yeah, going into yeah, the real world. I don't want an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then my mum, who was just like Fred is about it. And she was like the discipline person. Fun fact, your mum was my PE teacher. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she only, she retired like uh, three or four years ago. Right. So she, she was like head of PE, I think. Sorry if she wasn't. So, so like head of PT, like, Sorry, no, she wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she was like head of PT at Selwood. Um, she, yeah, she loved it. She was my teacher for a little bit. That was terrible. Um, but yeah, that was um, her basically being like, what are you going to do with your life now? And me right. in a panic, like, oh, I'll just join the army. So... <laughs> but this is interesting. We see... We see these stories quite often with a lot of guys that have been to the military and really taken to it and really had like a transformation mm. is that they start off a little bit kind of directionless or mm. a little bit, um, 
what's the word? You know, the, the, there's a lack of discipline or yeah. there's, they're rough around the edges and they're kind of bumbling around a little bit and then the military comes in and, I mean, it goes two ways, doesn't it? They either go in and then they abscond mm. and they're like, nah, fuck it. No, no, but they won't go through that. basic. They won't get to the end of basic if... Exactly. Like, right. Almost all blokes in the military, they're either quite a small percentage who were like, yeah, I always knew I wanted to be in the army and those guys are so boring right um they're just like, <laughs> the guys are like oh, always want to be in the army they're just so like rigid um in fact i got a good friend i haven't spoke to him in a while but he's still in i think jono and uh he was just one of those that's like thrived off like the boring stuff like bullying his boots and iron and he just loved he just loved it he was right. always wanted to be it but then you got a lot of guys who were just like yeah i didn't you know everyone thought i'd fail because i don't respond well to authority i wasn't very disciplined and they come in the army and there's some good bloke telling them what to do and they respond to it because they're it's it's expelling this pent up energy that they've got, these pent up passion for something they've got. And now they can, they can get weight on their back and go tab and get on the range and shoot. And even simple stuff like getting a grip of their kit and like cleaning their room, they finally yeah. got a bit of structure, then yeah. they thrive and they're some of the, the best guys that you meet. And you think those guys are kind of, because they're in a, a group environment and they're looking left and right and they're seeing, you know, matey's tucking his bed in and, and sorting out his locker and getting his shoes on the bottom of the, you know, and they're looking around and they're going, all right, okay, I'll do this. Do you think there's there's an element of like, you know, they get picked up by everyone and they get brought into this thing. So they're not hmm. this kind of like lone wolf kind of like, I don't want to say loser, but maybe a bit of a loser on in the real world. And now they're in this thing. But also leadership comes into this as well. Really strong leadership can really change someone you know change, turn things around for people can't they yeah yeah that's why they're so picky about who the instructors are going to be in phase one like when blokes originally come through but i think it comes down to good not even good men like generally i think men in general just like to be part of a group yeah like they want to be part of a, a gang a tribe of some sort so when they join the army they they don't want to be the guy that stands out for any negative reasons they don't want to be the guy letting the other guys down so if they see guys doing something positive whether it's cleaning ironing or just absolutely smashing a run or a tab or battle PT or whatever it is, they want to be the guys that, that also smash it. They don't yeah. want to be the guys that are the slowest, the back of the pack, the guys that have to be picked up on a tab by the jack wagon and, and driven back into camp. They don't yeah. want to be that There's guy. There's a bit of shame in that, isn't oh, there? Oh, mate, yeah, loads of shame. Like, you won't get over that. We're only then, as fast as the slowest man. Mm, exactly yeah. that. But then, and it, and it gets super competitive to the point of, and this is why... Like the military obviously known for like drinking and, and being a bit like rowdy and stuff. And I think a big part of it, at least for me, was taking joy in being amazing at all that stuff despite self, like despite damaging yourself. Right. Like I'd thrive about being front of the pack for a run. And then when everyone else is walking back to the block, them seeing me smoking, and I'd want them to think, oh shit, like Johnny. Oh, he does it all. Yeah, Johnny can, like, like just, you know, smashing a run or a tab and everyone's hanging out and I'll be like, oh, I wish I didn't have those eight pints last night. Like you just, <laughs> you want to show like, oh, I yeah. can do this stuff right. and still like starting at a bottom level. Still, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird mindset, but. That sounds like a special forces thing. Like, the, you know, you, you want to be in that squad that's like the elites, right? Mm. And you want to, when you're on, you know, on exercise <coughs> or you're, you know, you're at a base somewhere and I guess special forces come in, I guess some of the other guys kind of get a bit like, oh, the, you know, the Sasa here or whatever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, the paras aren't special forces, are they? No. No. But like there's, there's different levels of prestige, isn't there? From, oh yeah. From regiments. And I, and 
I think there's probably a little, what you're saying, there's a little bit of that in there when you kind of want to be like, oh, you know, they're here. Definitely. You know I mean? Well, there's like, a, there'll be like a group in, there'll be like a group in any regiment who are just like the the good blokes, the guys who take fizz seriously, but they they will be the guys who are the first out on the piss, right? But they'll they'll be the guys that are, that have their pick their kit packed correctly. They'll be the guys that thrive on exercise. They'll be the guys that when the, um, like when the list is coming out for like positions, most people when they deploy will be, together as a regiment like infantry units but as a medic we got put in different places so when the uh, when the all back comes out and it's saying where people are going to be going you know where the good blokes are going to be they're going to be at the front yeah and and you want to be part of that team you want right. to be in that group that's the other thing as well as people say you know you heard about these things in like world war ii and stuff like that is that you go if i'm going to go out and fight and be in a fucking war zone i want to be with the best mm. so there's that that's that it's mentality a rare, it's a rare it? mind like the army is genuinely is a is a good place for lazy people. It right. sounds crazy, but that, that's it's a good place for lazy. Okay, it really right. is because you, like once you, you can get your head down and grizz through basic training, um, but then it, you can make it real easy for yourself, like really easy for yourself. You can like they call it a, a biff chip, right? If you go and right. you've got an injury or an illness, you can just be signed off for anything. You you can sign yourself off for just about anything. You can go to the med center and say to a doctor, "This hurts, this hurts," and and not have to do any tabbing, not have to do any running. You can say, I've got a right. bad back because of this. And you see, there is, I would say there's probably no difference between the percentage of obese people in the army and the real world. It really is a similar split. Really? Because yeah, yeah. I, I always think that the army is full of people that are in great shape, it's, fantastic shape all the time. <laughs> because because you're made to do but it. But the good blokes are. The good right. blokes are. And there's, because for the good blokes, there's a real shame in being biffed up. Right. A real shame in it. Um, I got pins put through my wrist. Um, and the doctor took me off like weapon handling for a few weeks and I was Oh, just, you don't want that. Just embarrassing. Right. Just super, super embarrassing. Like and there's a there's a kind of like running joke about people with laminated biff chicks. If they laminate it basically it means they've had it for such a long time. Um, <laughs> and, and it's and it's like the, right. the shame that you feel is yeah. just you don't want to see the blokes in the morning packing their burgers up, getting some weight there and heading out for a tab, and you're just uh and you're there with your biff chit, stood there in your PT shorts because you're going to do a little bit of walking on the treadmill. You just feel like a fucking loser. But some right. people thrive off it. Lazy people are like, I get paid the same as you. I'm fine to do this. Yeah. And they're, they're the people that, you know, they, they're never going to thrive and they're happy with it. And they're not the ones you want in your squad. You'll never, they will never scrap on the right. front. They would never, I mean, they wouldn't be able to because they have the biff chit, so they wouldn't be allowed to. But yeah, you, it's not a case of like, oh shit, what if I get sent to war? You can put yourself in a very cushy position uh, pretty easily, I'd say. Right. Interesting. <laughs> so, so where, which regiment did you go in? So I was a medic. I was oh. RAMC. Okay. Um, yeah. That's intense. So I've heard some stuff about, um, and you said you earlier when we were chatting outside, you said you were deployed to Afghan. Mm. I heard some stuff about like medical, like intensive medical care um, rapidly accelerates in its sophistication during times of war mm. because it's used out on the field and then it trickles down throughout society into sort of like paramedics. I heard there was something, there's some sort of, you'll probably tell me what it is. Someone's take, someone gets shot in the arm, let's say, or has a, a wound on the arm and you get this, you wrap it around it inflates, cuts the, what's that called? The, okay, well, is it the cat tourniquet that they didn't inflate it, might. It might nowadays. <laughs> I'm, well, maybe I'm thinking of a blood pressure pump thing, but, <laughs> but, but it's one of these things. And they, they, apparently, it was developed because the, the the Marine guys had such massive arms <laughs> that they had to they had to change it up 
for yeah. for the modern battlefield and the modern soldier and the, and the training of modern well, war. We usually get stuff around 10 years after America. If you want to see what the British Army are going to have in 10 years, right. look what the Americans have got now. Are they and that far ahead? Yeah, it's okay. just their budget. That's all it is. But um, yeah, they have like cat tourniquets, um, which are just essentially like big black straps that you just twist, twist, twist right. um, until it tightens. So, yeah, so tell me what's in, so, so you're out in the, you know, so, so you're out in Afghan, <coughs> you're on patrol, it's mm. the real deal, you, you know, you've all, you're all strapped up, ready to go. What is in your, what are you carrying? What's in your gear uh, as a well, medic? I'll start with the super boring stuff, yeah, right? Because I want to know it all, I want to know everything. <laughs> uh, well, everyone will be different, right? Because when you're, if you're, if you're out on the front line, you're probably on your own in terms of like, you know, you are the medic in charge of that multiple um, or that, you know, you, you're the you're the guy yeah. um so you can pack your kit however you want and you're probably going to change it a lot depending on where you're going if you're doing long long patrols you're probably going to make sure you've got a lot of fluids in because guys are going to go down you know it's boring stuff but just like not looking after their admin and getting heat exhaustion and stuff like that um but as far as the boring stuff goes you're going to have stuff for dmv you're going to make sure you've got some primary healthcare stuff because guys are going to get dmv what's All that the fucking uh, diarrhea and vomiting Okay. All the time. Um, just because it's so gopping out there, right? Just right. because the, you know, the Afghan people are going to share. This. <laughs> I love this like vernacular you've got. It's just like, right, what's gopping? It's just, just disgusting. Hot, hot and awful. Right, just okay. disgusting. Like it's, um, yeah, like every, every, um, every patrol base you go to that's, that's a bit more established is going to have a separate DMV toilet because it's, it's the thing that just takes men down, right. right? DMV is so contagious. You think you've got these important ops to run. Yeah. One guy gets DMV, everyone can get DMV, um, and you are just instantly unoperational. You, right. you literally can't do anything. So they take DMV super, super seriously. So we just got like basic meds for DMV um, and then just advertise, like just instructing the guys on their admin. Hey, if you've got DMV, don't lick each other. If you've got yeah. DMV, don't share spoons when you're having like rat packs, just be smart. Like go sit over there on your own. Yeah. Don't share cigarettes, all this sort of stuff. Um, Cause that's just, it's just, it's the biggest thing like DMV. Um, but other than that, you can have fluids, you can have fluids and cannulas, just stuff. So if like for traumatic injuries, quite often you're going to end up um, cannulating someone and getting some fluids in them. What's a cannula? Um, so you know when you know when they give you fluids in the hospital. Right? Oh, it's the like an eye. Like yeah, an yeah, IV yeah, an IV, yeah, exactly yeah. that. So uh, on the drip, like, right? I think they call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, on the drip. So yeah, you get fluids in. Um, you always have a few bags of fluids. You don't have to take loads because uh, most of the time, when when you casavat someone, the whether it's Pedro or Mert, they will they will give you some kit back. They, right, like that. You know you'll. Yeah, you'll call it in. They'll take the casualty away. They'll land, take the casualty away and just throw you a bag of like some basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and then inside that will just be what you would take anyway. So cat tourniquets, which you would take a few extra, but every guy's got them on him anyway, right? right. For self-aid. If someone's on their own and they get shot, they need to be able to self-care so they'll get their tourniquet right. um, and apply and, themselves. And that was what I was going to go into. Is that, so you're the medic. Mm. You're, you're the medic for the platoon, but I'm guessing everyone has had training because if you get... If you step on an IED or you catch a catch a round or something, then mm. and you, or you're incapacitated in some way, they have to look after each other. And that's why you right? train them. Yeah, you right. you'll train them. So they, like every soldier's got basic training. Yeah. Um, in to be honest, is they've got training basically what we have training in. We can just do it at a better level. Right. Like that's that's really it. I mean, a lot of medics they go real deep, and there's some guys that are super passionate about medicine that are amazing. Um, I had a guy with me, uh, Rob King. Absolutely amazing bloke who's ex ex infantry regular. Now he's a he was a paramedic in Civvy Street, so he was a reservist medic. 
perfect guy to have with right. you. Um, so me and him had two multiples with Queen's Company uh, on the ground and he was just brilliant, like passionate about medicine. But me, I was more passionate about soldiering. So I was just making sure I was super, super good on the life-saving stuff on the ground. Yeah. Like that was that was what I wanted to be good at. That was where my passion was. Um, so you would train the guys up. You know, if you've got a spare 10 minutes, you might be like, hey guys, do a bit, quick bit of medicine, quick bit of medic training and just... Just run through some stuff. Like, yeah. what's the what's the first thing you're going to check here? What you're going to check here? How you're going to find a, a wound here? What you're going to do? Really simple stuff, and they'll all be super switched on. Um, they're not going to be like, oh, fuck, it's super boring. They'll be so switched on because this is the stuff that's going to save their life and their muckers that they want to be there for. Right. Yeah. So they'll they'll pay a lot of attention to it. And so is your job kind of like sometimes you know you do the rounds of people and you go, hey what's your show me what you got what you what you packing here and they go i've got this and that and you go you're missing this here you go have have this do you have to go around and make sure everyone's supplied up how 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 much sort of micromanagement i guess do, does it take within the platoon to like keep everyone in check is that your responsibility is that their personal responsibility it, it's definitely that it's their personal responsibility to the point that they like they would take that seriously. Like soldiers love tinkering with their kit. They love like having kit, like they'll be showing off, you know, oh, I keep my stuff here. I got this here. I got my link here. I got my med pouch here. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. Oh, it's, mine's it's, on this side because, yeah. I'm, because if I'm- yeah. Oh, you, know, you wear I'm, your mags there. I'm uh, here in case I have to get in prone position. You're just yeah, like, oh, right. that's incorrect because of this. Like blokes love it. So yeah. they're generally be squared away. But if, uh, if a guy's had to use some of his kit, then you know he can get he can talk to me about it, and I'll usually just say to the to the striper like, "Hey, we need to," or the the two I see, I'll be like, "Hey, when you put a call in, we need we need more of this." Yeah. Um. But it's not it's not done on like a case by case basis in terms of right. I need three FFDs. I need two more tourniquets. If we've had a few big casualties, he'll just put a call in to get a, a shitload more, uh, right. and then dropped off at the compound or the PB, uh, and we'll just I'll kind of divvy it out. Yeah. Okay, and how much sort of do you do you found did you find that you you'd have a bit more respect because you were the medic and you they knew that you were the guy in there you know in the in a bleak spot they want to see you know when you're you arrive to them they're mm. gonna be like oh thank fuck Johnny's here uh, well I mean everyone's everyone's got super important jobs they wouldn't be there so not yeah. I mean <laughs> the Terps you get a hell of a lot of respect from the interpreters right they literally think you're a wizard yeah. like the you know if they're if they're doodling into the village uh, and the guy's like oh I've got some bucks here you can get me some smokes and then I'm like oh get me some smokes and he's like no 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 I'll get yours doctor I'm like I'm ah like, so you uh, get that's what I mean that, yeah, you yeah. get that kind of that extra kind of like you know, like when we were when we were doing when we were out on exercise and stuff, and we'd look in our uh, rat packs and whatever, it would be like burgers and beans would be the the yeah, one, yeah. right? Sausage so and beans. Yeah. People go, "Hey, Johnny, do you want my sausage and beans?" No, that would Medic. never happen. No, no, no absolutely not. <laughs> but there, uh, some of the interpreters and the locals that were in the compound, um, or some like the A and A guys, they they'd be on like Ramadan, and then so they'd be about seven o'clock cooking up, and they'd come to me and just give me food. Like they just they. I'm not a doctor, obviously. I'm like, a, like not even any civilian qualifications. But to them, I'm like magician. I'm right. like, I'm going to save their life because they're obviously coming out on the ground with us. So yeah. uh, they'd always come to me with with a bit of foot bread or or some rice or something, and and just be like, eat up, doc. And I'm like, sweet, yeah, I'll Give take it. I'll take all that stuff. So if you don't mind talking a bit about Afghan, I'd like to go there because I we we've never had anyone talk about this stuff on the pod just yet. So um, tell me about. Tell me about when you got the news for deployment. When was that? How old were you? Uh, I don't remember when I got the news because it's not like it's not like a snap. Like we're going. Like oh okay. When, when I went, uh, when I joined the army in 2010, it was 
Afghan was going on they, they all through basic training it was like you are going to Afghan right like you you are if you're here you're joining the army you will go to Afghan that's okay. that's expect it expect that yeah, yeah like you will be going and then it's all on a rotation so um when my unit were going I can't, you know you, you know when it's coming ahead of time um and when I went I was put on I was a class two at the time so I was put on the orbit um what's that the, like the list of of the jobs that you're going to be doing okay. uh, out there and I I'd, I'd been to Kenya before and I had a little bit of experience but nothing like never like a obviously a deployment like afghan um so when i saw what i was gonna be doing all the class twos were in real real echelon roles like um like at the med center um not not frontline not scrapping and we were all a bit threaders with that like especially the real good blokes we were like we want to want to get out there but as soon as we as soon as we got there that all just changed completely right. like i think they had to put you in those positions but as soon as we got out there they were just like they, oh, we're far more reactive now. Yeah, like right. we'll put people where they should be. Like we need to put the the blokes that can carry weight and and scrap and and have quick trauma skills on the ground. Like we need to put them on the ground where they're going to be most valuable. So when I was going, as far as I was concerned, I was like, oh fuck's sake, I'm going to be like at the med center or on um, on the ambulances picking up casualties that get dropped into Bastion and stuff. So you felt they were a bit more like a, a like a desk job equivalent. Mm, of, exactly that. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I, you know, I knew that I was out there for like seven months. I knew that it would stretch into that, but um, they just they put you in different positions. But then when I got out there, yeah, that obviously quickly changed. Uh, and I was twenty, I was twenty one when I went out there. That's young. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, so were you nervous? Or were you, or were you like? Because I, because I know there's a lot of guys. You know, there's that old story about this. Um, or maybe it was just a fictional film, but there's a sniper who trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and trained, and trained. Mm. thousands of rounds downrange every week. You know, it was an extension of his arm and everything. You know, all these cliches. Cool. <laughs> and he gets out. Oh, maybe it was Jarhead. And he gets out there, <coughs> and he's ex and he's like ready. He's like, okay, this is what I've trained for. Let's yeah. do it. Let's put this into action. And then there's no. I'm I'm sorry to use the word action, but you know, there's doesn't he didn't have to use his training at all. And yeah. there's a moment where. He's almost looking for any excuse to, you know. <laughs> it w yeah, it wasn't like that at all, really. Just because we were, I was on Herrick sixteen, and it was a, it was an, an aggressive Herrick. We were right. like we were spearheading, right? right? So we were we were doing like draw and destroy ops where we were we were like going out to get contacted. So what's the what is the the overall mission while you're there? Like what's the what is the what is what what were the operations you found yourself in? Because because I'm not really that familiar with a lot of the the kind of the combat out there. It's mainly to take ground, to, right? To take ground, to take back um, like Taliban strongholds. Um, that was that was from like my position. That's like the the main things we were doing, right? Trying to get ground back, get villages that were in Taliban control, and just overrun them. Um, which is what you, why you saw so much when we pulled out. They just said, "Oh, the Taliban just took it all back," and it right. kind of seemed pointless. But that was that was what our how did you feel about that? Because you've been there, you've seen it, and a lot of us are watching it on the news via, you know, via a very mainstream media recollection of what's going on out there. And you know you've been there, you've seen it. The Taliban are probably awful, awful people. They do, they do awful things. Yeah, it's weird stuff. How did you, how did you feel when you've you've come back? And did you feel like maybe it was all a bit in vain? Or? No, I, did, I would never. I know loads of guys did, right? Um, but that's not me. I was. I'm not a. I wasn't a political guy. I didn't. It sounds. It sounds really. Um, what's the word? 
It sounds like I'm being real blasé about it, but I just, right. I wasn't, I was just, that was my job. I was just like, it was a job. And then I came yeah. back and I remember reading about um, the positions that had been taken back over by the Taliban and blokes with threaders about it. Like they were, that's terrible. So-and-so died for this and we were doing this. But I just, um, yeah, to me, like we, we did the business when we were there. Yeah. I'm not going to be emotionally attached to what happens when I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just wasn't me. I, it's not like I tried not to be. I just wasn't. I just didn't really. So that's a very professional outlook, isn't it? It's professional yeah, soldiering guess. is that, you know, you were, you were paid and trained to go and do this certain thing. Mm. You went out there, you executed it to the best of your ability. Yeah. And then once you. I were... mean, it's still really professional, epic soldiers who would, who are a little bit crushed by it, but I'm just, um, I don't get emotionally tied into anything really. Right. Um, it's just not. It's just yeah. I just I just don't have that that thing. <laughs> so what does it what does it look like? You so you you're going to take some like as you said you're going to take some ground. Mm. So you've got a, a a village that's occupied by the Taliban. What does that look like? So how, what you, how do you prepare for that? What kind of um, what kind of defenses are that are you coming up against what's the the situation there how does that kind of it, and then i guess they're all different super super different like yeah. you could the majority of my time was spent in the green zone right um where we'd you know so we'd we'd land somewhere we'd, we'd tab it out get to a compound pay the family a bit of cash um to take over their compound we'd set up so we'd be in the middle of Taliban territory, right? Be right. In the middle, just in in a little mud mud compound in the middle of it, um, and then we'd we'd have different, you know, we might be on a two week op, right? And we'd be on different things for each one. So maybe one was a uh, was draw or destroy, where our job was just go out, get engagement from the Taliban, so they could see from the sky their position. So that was you know just like bait. That was right. <laughs> that's like a job. Um, other ones might be might be a little bit different. Might be like um, the the plan is to take over a compound, right? That's right. been overran by Taliban, and we need that position, and that's a little bit more. Well, it starts off more aggressive and you're on the offensive. Other times it might just be, um, I've spent time, when I spent time with Ops Company, you know, we might get on 30 minutes notice to move because we just heard that Taliban are putting ladders over the walls at uh, one of our bases nearby, so we need to be ready to go and it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a scrap. Right. It, so it, it could be so many different things. It, it, there's so many fastballs. Right. And tell, when you keep, when you say scrap, it makes it sound like, you know, fisticuffs behind a bike shed, after, you know, after school. <laughs> Tell me about like a, you know, when you say, we, you know, we're going to have a scrap, what, mm. you know, what can you expect from that? Is that's, that's a gun, like a gunfight or yeah. like what you're calling in, um, no, go, go airstrikes. Go. What's, what's the, the yeah, general firefight? Yeah. Right. It'll just be, uh, it'll be a firefight and that, and that could take loads of different forms, right? That right. could be, that could be totally surrounded and a, like a 360 type thing. It could be, it could be real old school. I had a, a couple of guys and I never had to, um, this never happened with me, but some guys had to fix bayonets um, purely because they were getting that close. Right. Um, but yeah, and I mean, that's if you've got to fix bayonets, you're having a super bad day. Right. Um, like if we fixed bayonets, it was a precaution, but we never had to move forward with it. Um, but yeah, when I say scrap, I just mean a, like just a basic firefight. You are shooting at them and they are shooting back at you. And do they usually go on, do they usually go on to a point where, you know, they, they eventually kind of retreat and, and piss off or is it just, you, you just completely wipe them out? Uh, no, no, both. It, you know, sometimes we'll bug out, sometimes they'll bug out. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's as you'd imagine. It's just like a, like a normal scrap at the pub. It might finish real badly with everyone just wiping each other out. Yeah. It might end up with someone running away or the other guy running away, right? Or, or bugging out, not running away. Yeah. You know, it, it could, it could, and you just got to, you know, you might have a plan going in there, but they, they say no plans survives a contact, right? So whatever the right decision is, um, you know, if we get in a, in a scrap, like, right, 
and we, we can get into our compound it's safe and we've kind of done our mission anyway and there's no need for this firefight it's not benefiting us yeah. then we might just peel out it's just an extra risk yeah we might just peel out and get back to the, to right. the safety of the compound and you ever been in a situation where you know an order's come in and you know, you know we're going we're gonna to go we're bugging out mm. and you're like no like like obviously you're going to follow your orders but <laughs> <don't> like <laughs> the consensus among the men is like <laughs> no we've been here this long doing this we need to we need to stay here and then you kind of go kind of you know, you kind of go because you have to, but you, you know, you think, no, we've got this one, we've got this. Um, not so much just because you you don't know what they've heard on the net. When you always right. come down, you don't know what's going on. Like we, I mean, we had the total opposite where right. we wanted to go. Um, yeah. And in fact, a, a journalist came out for this one. Yeah. Um, there was a journalist that was ex, he was an ex-guardsman, but now he's a journalist for like BBC or um, Channel 4 or something. And he came out with us just on this one op. And this one op was... Um, Nothing, nothing much happened, um, but it was on Channel 4 News. And I don't think they said this on the news story, but essentially the RF refused to pick us up after the two weeks. And we were running out of rations, like we had, we had no rations left. Um, but they were just like, it's too kinetic, it's too dangerous, we can't pick you up right now. And we're just like, well, we're running out of rounds, we're running out of like rations packs, like we're just, we need to be picked up. And it ended up dragging on for three days. So the blokes are hungry, stressed out, like we're Morale's super vulnerable. Down. Yeah. Right. Um, but then eventually the army actually came and picked us up on track vehicles, then up taking us back to an American base. And then we ended up moving on to um, where we were actually like mainly operating from. Okay. So that was the total opposite. <laughs> stressful. Stressful. <laughs> and talking of stressful, is it, I mean, like you said, he's an ex-guardsman, so he knows the deal. Mm. But is if someone says to you, we've got matey from Channel 4 with his bloody blue press helmet and his flat jacket and he's bumming around with us today. Do you ever feel like, nah, nah, fuck off. We've got shit to do without this Wally like uh, knocking around with us, like potentially sort of getting himself into trouble or getting us into harm's way. Maybe, but like if we wouldn't have took him, right. If like on a, wouldn't have took him on like a strike up. You wouldn't have took him to like, to, to I don't know, like run over a compound. Like we, <laughs> like we, I mean, he got he got in contact with us, and you can see it on the Channel Four clip. Like he's he gets in contact, he's taking rounds. He's it's um like he got he was he was in the business, but right. we like we're not. He's not going to go on anything that's super super important. Right, he's um, taking on sort of a low a, a low risk. Yeah, and he'd have been briefed up like what to do, like base like you know because we're if we're in a line, he's just a man in the line. You hear around, just hit the deck and yeah. follow the person in front. It just happened to be me. Yeah, um, like, just do what the person in front of you does. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you've got, you've got PRRs on, you're, you're talking to each other, he's got a radio, you can tell him what to do. And I'm, I'm not going to tell him, but whoever's in charge is going to say, hey, dude, stay there. Hey, dude, move. Right. <laughs> so what did you learn in, in, in Afghan that you've now applied to the business world? Because let's move this out of, out of, out of um, service and into what you're up to now. I guess once you've been to those levels of adrenaline and stress and the training's kicked in mm. and you've come through it, you've you've kept a clear head, you've done everything you need to do. I guess it would probably be naive of me to say that once you hit the business world, you know, nothing can phase you because I'm sure there's so many obstacles mm. and challenges. But do you feel like maybe that that experience of combat has definitely set you in a good stead to deal with the unpredictability of, you know, and you're relying on yourself as well, aren't you, in in what you do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, the, there's things that are going to tie in. Like the biggest thing that specifically I took from Afghan, right, rather than like the whole military career, rather than 
uh, how I grew up rather than anything else. Like specifically Afghan, I'd say is simplicity, right? right? The simplicity of your lifestyle. Cause there's, when you're out there, it's, it's, I was going to say relaxing, but obviously not, but like mentally it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel the same sort of stress as when you're at home and you've got bills coming in and there's, there's loads of social situations and relationship stuff. Like you, you've got none of that. Like it's right. just, it's simple. You, you know what you're doing. You've got everything you own is there in your day sack, in your Bergen. Like you, it's, it's just a simple existence, like really, right. really simple. And it, it's good for the head. It's really good for the head. So I try and like carry that over. It's why I'm constantly throwing things away, keeping the house uncluttered, keeping it clean and tidy, knowing where everything is. Like that simplicity, I think is, I think it's where everyone goes wrong. If I speak to a guy that I'm coaching and he's like, I'm so stressed out all the time. I've got this and that. I'll, I'll run through his daily routine with him. And then I'll tell him to send me a photo of his office where he works, where he gets stuff done. And if it's a mess, I'll be like, dude, that's the fucking problem. Right. Look at like your environment's going to shape you. And okay. in Afghan, your environment is, you know, clear missions and simplicity yeah. carry that over carry that over and just you know get rid of stuff you don't need ignore stuff that's not important to you stop doing stuff that doesn't align with your passion or purpose or main vision live simpler such a powerful way to live mentally and that's the that's the biggest thing without a doubt yeah i saw this thing with um with the old uh have you ever heard of howard stern he was like a, a radio shock jock mm. thing. And I saw this thing on YouTube and he was taking people around his office spaces and, and he was and he was chastising one of his um one of his employees. He's like, look at all this crap you've got <laughs> in your in your office space. He's like, look at it, throw some of it out. He's like, throw it out. Why why have you got this? He's like, Coke cans, old this, that, why is it in here? <laughs> And this is a guy who's got like OCD and he's been in therapy for 20 years. And he was like, I throw stuff out. He's like, I find it empowering now to throw stuff out. He's like, the first couple of things you go, oh, I don't really want to throw that out. He's like, just do it. Once you've done it, you go, you know what? I don't need that now. Yes. I don't need that now. Do I really? And I found that myself. I'm like, oh, do I really need to keep this thing? It's or hard thing? sometimes to let go of it. But yeah. It's... And once you let go of one and another, the other one that you may not have let go, if that was the first thing you've con you know, contemplated throwing away, you go, yeah, no, I can throw that away. Mm. And, and yeah, that's a very interesting thing. I think there's something powerful about being able to like, because it's a mental exercise, isn't mm. it? Just letting go. It can be clutter. a little, like it's, it's messed up a few times. Right. right. Like my missus will tell you, right? Like the amount of important stuff that she needs that I've binned is is there's a there's a real long list of it right in fact today uh, i was clearing out the dresser and she just said anything you're gonna bin put it on a table let me check it you know we moved house and we need certain bits of paperwork and i'll just bin them i'm like right. if i haven't used it and i don't need it i'll just bin it i'll just get rid of it she bought yeah. her sister a coat for christmas we don't know where that coat was and i'm sure i binned it right because it would have been lying around the kitchen and i'm like that's not my coat i don't recognize it. it's none of my friends in the bin it goes like i am relentless with my environment right to like a super high level so um, yeah, don't throw away important documents. Yeah. That is a lick, a real lick to get around when you're moving house. <laughs> so, so I've been enjoying your um, your Instagram content uh, the last few weeks. I like the way that you address the camera and you do your like check-ins and stuff. In fact, I think it was yesterday you were like, this is a different t-shirt. <laughs> yesterday I had no sleeves, so I got sleeves on. Like, How important is that stuff to you, like presentability and you know, uh, husbandry to a degree and just keeping on top of your shit as a, as, as a man. Key is like, you just, I refer to it as admin, right? Admin right. just across the board. So, and I've done it in my, in my steel mind, uh, in a circle, I do a live and I was talking about the importance of like admin looking after yourself. And I, I turned around and ran my finger 
uh, along underneath and on top of the bookshelf behind me yeah. just to show and show my finger to the camera. I was like, that's how in control you need to be. And it wasn't prearranged. It was just right. about an hour into a live. I was just talking about it. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's key because though we don't want to judge people by their cover, why not? You chose to look like that. So, so obviously that says something about you. Yeah. So if I see a guy who's well-groomed, who... Like if I, if I see a guy and he's stinking, I'm like, this guy doesn't take care of himself. Maybe he was late. Maybe he woke up late and had time to shower. That's bad admin. He's not a guy that's in control of his situation. Right. So I think that stuff's super, super important. Um, which is why like I said, I'm like, I realized I was wearing a sleeveless version of that top because I've yeah. got about seven of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a couple and of I sleeves. I just realized I've got a hole in my trousers as well. I had noticed so, my eyes. What, are, what's that say about me? <laughs> what does that say about me? Um, yeah, I find I find all that stuff very interesting. Tell me about what was that? What was that you called steel? The steel what? The steel mind. Yeah. yeah so tell this me is, about it. It's the brainchild of Jim Stott, um, right. the Magic Marine. I don't know if you saw it. He was on Britain's Got Talent. Um, really talented magician, amazing guy. I've been good friends with him for about twelve years, um, and he he's got a large following. Um, mainly came from Britain's Got Talent. Obviously, being on the show and doing this daredevil stuff, um, and he wanted he wanted help, basically like running his own business in the in the fitness or mindset space so i just said sure i'll give you a hand uh, but then he quickly changed that to hey why don't we do something together um and our passion both of us when we get together we will speak in length for hours and hours and hours about mindset stuff like we it's a passion of both of us so i was like why don't we just set up a little membership group i can't commit loads of time to something because i've got tbm i'm running at the time i was in the cookie butter biz um <laughs> i got some other things going on so i was like i can't do loads of time what if we just do a membership site um you know, for people that are highly driven, just want to optimize themselves. So yeah, we set it up together. We still run it together now. Um, I'm kind of, I've took a, quite a big step back from it. Um, but you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've got an amazing team, people that just uh, are a part of our inner circle. We do lives, probably like four or five lives a week. They have accountability reports to fill in just to keep them on, on top of stuff. I did see some of this. I saw you, you set up a screenshot. Sorry, you posted a screenshot of something and, and there was like a questionnaire. It was like, have you, uh, have you trained today? Or, Run me through it because well, one that's... of them is like, did you do <clears throat> this? No. If not, why? <laughs> and that I think is the accountability bit that you're talking about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, that's a report from TBM because my guys my, on TBM, yeah. um, I run, TBM how it sets up is it's a three-month coaching course, right? So instead of the normal PT stuff where you're just charging them, a couple of hundred every month forever. And they kind of teach you this when you do your PT course, keep people reliant on you. But I just, I, I just thought that is a terrible way to run things. Like I want to, I want to change lives. I want to empower people. So I was like, I'm just going to charge more, but I'm going to teach them everything they need to know. So they know more even than most PTs. I'm right. going to teach them exactly what to do over three months. So they come on a three month course and every single weekend they get sent an accountability report, uh, which basically says the days you hit your diet, they got to tick off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And if I see a little unchecked box, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm calling them I'm like, what's going on? Right. Uh, and it will say, did you hit every session? Yes or no? If no, because I don't want to know how many sessions they hit. Uh, like, you know, missing two is the same as missing one. I want to see that you've hit every single session and shown some discipline to it. So um, it says, if no, why not? Yeah. Uh, and most guys, this actually happens a lot. If guys do miss a session, they will write in that box, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then they'll be like, this is kind of sounding like an excuse. Uh, won't but, happen again or right. something like that. And yeah. they, they'll realize, because if you make them write it, they'll say stuff like, oh, the thing is I had this and this and this. And then they, re they realize themselves, oh shit. I'm literally just making excuses up. Right. Um, and I say the same thing. So they're holding them. themselves accountable. Big time. Yeah. yeah, they're all amazing guys. I mean, to get onto the team, you have to be a good bloke anyway. I don't right. let anyone just sign up. They have to get on the phone with me. We have to talk for at least like half an hour. Um, more guys get turned away than come on board. Right. Because 
or mainly because we've got a Facebook group for the guys. Uh, I can't let any guys in that have a a negative. Well, not you know, if a guy's got a negative mindset because he's struggling, I desperately want him on the team. But, but it's like that. It goes back to that platoon type te- mm. uh, mentality. You know, yeah. you don't want the what was the guy the biffed up guys or yeah. whatever. You don't want no biffed up guys yeah. joining your Facebook group. Yeah, the guys would be whinging and putting comments in and like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, this is so hard. We don't want those guys. Like, the right. guys in that team are, are killers. They will just. They're celebrating wins over and over and over. They they have a challenge to do 300 reps of one exercise in one sitting um, for a, for a certain reward. And guys will take pride in showing that they're doing it outside in the rain. Like they're just they're just they're hungry. They're they're amazing guys. So and it just it's contagious. And you've ever got to a point with someone where you go, you know what, you're paying me, but you know this isn't working. You're not taking this seriously, and I can't dedicate any more time to you because this is a joke. And and have you gone to that point where you're like, I'll have, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to let you go because you're taking up time that I could be spending on someone who's actually going to do this regardless of yeah, you know, it's you happened me. once, yeah. Right. And, and I remember the guy, and I remember because I remember saying to Amrabat, I was like, the craziest thing just happened because it is, it is it's expensive, it's a lot of money for guys to invest in themselves, and it's not an ongoing thing, so they can't just decide to stop. And I can't just say, hey, I don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah. But this guy decided that he he was just he was super difficult and the reason was his his current situation made made it clear to me that the best course of action for him was simply for the first week eating healthy foods he had a real problem with and i i i advertise eating processed food having a few beers i think it needs to be sustainable i eat pizzas yeah. at least 3 times a week right um I'm yeah, I see a lot of naughty food in yeah, your, in your I stories. Yeah, naughty food. But this right. guy, like, you know, everyone's different. And this guy, his testosterone levels were shot to shit. He was sleeping terribly. He was highly stressed out. He was almost addicted to not even good processed foods, just like crisps and chocolate bars. Like, you know, get a, get a, a takeaway. Like, get something good. That's What's gonna... a good processed food for you? Like a Burger King, a KFC? Oh, or what? what, what? I, just pe- I mean, pizza. I pizza just, right. Have you had the, the Rye Bakery pizzas? I, I haven't yet, no. Just the... the the best thing ever. Right. Um, and I used to go to Stony Street, but they've got a little smaller. Um, <laughs> I go there for my cigars, but in, if I don't want to order it online, and I got a pizza and it shrunk down a little bit, but I'm still going to go there, you yeah. know, supporting Froome because they do taste amazing. Um, but yeah, pizza and stuff. But this guy, he needed to eat healthy foods. I said for one week, clean. If you can't kill it or pick it, you do not, you don't touch it. That, that's right. not at all. Water. You can have coffee, but that's it. And um. And after a week, he just, he was whinging like crazy on the phone, basically about how terrible he felt. And he basically was saying, I really don't think this way of eating works for me. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 I never get irritated, right? right. I'm, I'm like, a, if I may say so, I'm a real good coach. I know how to talk to people based on how they're talking to me and how they are to get the best out of them. But this yeah. guy, I'm like, hey, you're an animal. Like you are designed to eat certain foods. There is no way... It, like absolutely no way eating healthy foods is bad for you. You are not like an exception to the rule that you need processed foods to survive. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, you've been eating loads of, maybe you're having too many energy drinks and this is a slight caffeine crash. Maybe you're having too much sugar, it's a slight sugar crash. Maybe you're just a bit sad because I've took your quavers away. But, <laughs> but like, uh, but it's what I said to him. I'm just like, but you... Yeah. I took your quavers away. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, but sad. it's for your own good. Um, and and he, and it was it was about a two hour phone call, which most of my calls were about fifteen minutes. Right. Um, and I basically at the end of it, and it was it was basically me. It was a it was a constant pitter patter of me fixing the problem, telling him something, and him having an excuse. Yeah, exactly that. And at the end of it, I just said, you know what, dude, I'd love for you to reach out to me in the future when you got the headspace for this. But right now, um, 
I can't, I can't change the process for you. I know right. what needs to be done for you to get where you want to be. Yeah. If you have a real problem with following, it doesn't matter if you've got the best excuse in the world. If you honestly are saying you cannot eat clean food for a week, which I just think is baffling, right. um, let's talk in the future. It's and, about breaking a habit, isn't it? Mm, yeah. But yeah, I guess what you, because you, you know, I think a lot of people will, I, I mean, there's a, there's a culture of everyone <coughs> wanting stuff with the lowest amount of effort. Oh, big time. You know, and I see it on top of, on front of these um, sort of like glossy, gossipy mags and stuff. It's like, oh, do this in, in six days. It's easier. And it's like, uh, no, it's like, if you want a result, you have to work for it. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking for the, the highest gain with the, they're going for the path of least resistance. Exactly that. Yeah. But that's where I always say it's twofold, right? Because it is important to make the process as easy as possible. Right. If that becomes your, your default, yeah. you're, you're having a bad time. So my guys have got to follow two rules, right? They make themselves as hard as possible and make the process as easy as possible. So they'll do things like, I say, make sure, if you're in a rush in the morning, make sure breakfast is prepared. Make it easier for you. Right. If you join a gym that's half an hour away, invest in some gym kit and train at home. Like make the process easier, you know? And that's why I say, have family takeaway night, you know, and make it work. I can easily show them how to, how to rip up and build muscle and get an amazing shape, still having takeaways, making the process easier. But that's not all we do. We also spend a ridiculous amount of time, I say like 70, 80% of the time, making them harder, doing discipline reward challenges over and over. We constantly make them do tough stuff. They have to do, uh, you know, cold showers. You know, we have a little challenge of bland food days where they do two days of eating terrible, terrible foods. Healthy, right. but just boring, no flavor. They can't even sprinkle fucking salt on it. Uh, <laughs> but then they get an amazing reward. They get a huge epic reward out of it. And it just, it makes you crave sacrifice right. uh, and challenge. And when you have put in a, a position where, the process is easy for you because you love the training. You, you're in a place where the diet, you, you found it a, a way to make it work for you yeah. and your nails because you're more disciplined and driven and you're focused and you're this optimal male. Yeah. You can't really fail. Yeah. Like you can't fall off. I'm imagining that group chat right now is like people posting pictures of their horrible bland lunch, <laughs> you know, and then someone else is dropping in theirs. And there's, oh yeah, well you think this yeah. is bad. Mine's blander. Look at this, just porridge. You know what I mean? It's well, like- They're all at different levels because they all they all join at different times because it's a 12 week course right. and guys are getting on board all the time. So, right. you know, some guys will be on their bland food days while some guys might be on their fucking- oh. So, it's, it's so they're getting different. a burger and chip shoved yeah, down their face while tough. they're- Right. It's See, tough. I was expecting people to be like, you know, oh, this ain't too bad because, you know- <laughs> Uh, Terry, he's eating uh, something <laughs> way worse than me today. Well, the only time that I said, I've got a little course running um, for, it was for five guys I ran in January. I was basically, right, I'm turning 30. Uh, I'm going to take five guys on a, an insane physical transformation with me. So they all start at the same time. And we've got our own little private group. Um, right. And most of those guys are ex-clients anyway. They're, they're ex-clients that, that did amazing on the UPC 12 weeks. So they then thought, yeah, transformation. UPC? Uh, Ultimate Physique Coaching. So that's cool. the that's the three-month flagship program right um they came onto the year one and we all do things at the same so i might set a challenge right guys all of us all five of us um this week we're gonna we're gonna do i don't know it'd be something crazy like we're gonna wake up at this time you know four in the morning cold shower bland food i want you to read this book like these this specific chapter of this book then i want you to go do this and this and this and it'll be like a terrible day and the following day we're all gonna have what i call a king day where we eat like absolute kings it's clean eating but it's like you know steaks seafood cauliflower cheese loads of water you're gonna sunbathe get some vitamin d you're gonna have amazing sex you're gonna yeah. you know just have like the best day ever that's just good for your primal like soul 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and the guys just feel amazing. Like there's nothing like sacrificing for a day, having a king day, um, and then those guys dominate the week. They're the, they're the, the weeks that they're going to get a pay rise at work or meet the woman of their dreams, right? right. That's, the, that's the big, the key player. <laughs> so there's two or, two or three things I want to ask you that are just springing in my head and I'm not sure how to go with it. One is that it's probably more, more of a, an observation is that if you're going to coach someone, they have to meet you somewhere, don't they? They mm. have to meet you somewhere. Absolutely. You, and they have to be ready for yeah, it. I don't babysit. I yeah. Just, yeah. Um, and, and the other thing was, um, I've lost it now. It's gone. It'll come. It'll come. Um, where were we with that? Where was I with that? Sacrifice reward. Sacrifice King day. reward. King day. Feeling amazing. Feeling, Running forward. Uh, you must have a lot of clients from very different backgrounds huge because you said mm. dominate the week mm. so what are they dominating At what they they get told real early on to to pick what's important to them right, right. so they'll dominate everything i've got guys i've got an amazing guy roger who's training up now to be a prison guard right. dominating the week for him means nailing his macros in his training obviously mm. uh, nailing his morning routine which we build out together we build out a morning routine that forces guys to be in an amazing prime state for the day so to him that meant going into the course and being the best guy on that course so that he's going to finish it with the best mark and he's going to show that when he applies for the job um, tell me about these primal states what, what, oh, in what, terms of being heightened and yeah tell me because you've mentioned testosterone and stuff and, and i had a lecturer when i was in <coughs> when i was in college i had a lecturer that would say to me like oh yeah i'm always i'm always a little hungry when i've got stuff to do i never overeat because he he wants his brain to kick into that sort of hunter gatherer yeah mode. that fasted state yeah he wants his brain to just be because he's gonna he goes i'm sharper i've yeah, got yeah. a little more energy when i'm running on a bit of empty and i just kind of get more things you know, done that is that guy, your lecturer, is so rare, right? Because everyone has these things that put them in a heightened state, but right. no one notices them. People just right. say, hey, today was amazing. Yeah. Cool. Go to bed, wake up, act reactively again, and just do whatever the day throws at them. Yeah. Whereas the people like your lecturer who thought, shit, when I don't eat, I'm actually really sharp. I've got my... He then uses that as a tool. People could do that all the time. And that's what I teach the guys to be super aware of when they have an amazing day, they dissect the previous 24 right. hours. What did I do? Because I did it on myself and that's where the morning routine comes from. The first thing I noticed, and it's so well known now, gratitude forces you to operate at a high frequency. Most right. people will practice... Uh, whinging. Most people will practice going on Facebook and trying to get some attention by saying, oh, I had the worst drive to work. Oh, this has happened. This has happened. Practicing being negative. You Energy become, vampires. Oh, mate, big time. Yeah. Um, so I get the guys, the first thing they do in the morning is like practicing gratitude. Practice right. being grateful. Like it's, you can have the worst day in the world. You've like, if, if you're in this country, if you've got a phone with Wi-Fi, you can definitely be grateful for a hell of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that practice is, is huge because your brain is very malleable in the morning. So what we want to do for the guys to dominate their day and their week and their year and their entire lives, you want to catch it in the morning when your brain is malleable instead of switching on the news and being like, Shit, oh, shit, COVID, yeah, the sad. Shit. Um, which, you know, it's, it's the news. It's not a reflection of the world. It's, it's some exciting stories that they want to they they tell you for, for views, right? Yeah. Um, what you do instead is wake up, neck a pint of water, practice gratitude. Huge, absolute game changer. You just, that's the first thing you've put in your brain. You'll carry that over. So how, how do you do this? I've, I see some people that, that write down daily affirmations mm. and i think that's probably a little different isn't it that's a di- you, but they're in this I, f- I feel they always come in the same mm. conversation it's stuff in your brain it's right. putting stuff you want in your brain because i writing affirmations would be a bit of a lick right like writing 
every morning. Like I, I say, you want to do something, it takes five minutes. It feels minutes a bit tops. cheesy to me, that. Yeah, and it, it's just long. Like if you're, if you're late for work, you're being like, oh shit, I need to write down these. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but I, I really think like doing... Like gratitude, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you do it. You can write down three things you're grateful for. You can go stand outside and think about three things you're grateful for. You can do things you're grateful for. If you're grateful that you got food in the fridge, um, go and eat some of that fucking food in the fridge, right? Just, just fill yourself with gratitude. However, however you do it, you can just shut your eyes and picture it. You can do, do whatever you fucking want. So what were your, I mean, it's, it's this morning mm. and uh, you're probably not fully awake, but what were your three this morning? Can you I was remember? fully awake this morning. I wait, someone asked, <laughs> no, I was awake. Someone asked me uh, on the questions I did on Instagram the other day, like right. what time do you, it was, what time do you get up or what time do you think people should get up? And I said, it doesn't fucking matter. That's just a number. It's irrelevant. It's what people like to gob off about online. I got up at four, I got up at five. What's Jocko Willink with his watch. Yeah, with his stopwatch. Yeah. <laughs> What's important is that you leap out of bed, right? As right. soon as that eyelid goes open, you jump out of bed excited about the day. That's what matters. It doesn't matter if it's four or fucking 10, just get excited. So yeah, I opened that eye, I was pumped up and I can't remember what they are. I repeat myself a lot. It's almost always um, the health of Amber and my family, right? That's always a big one just because, you know, like everyone, like you've lost people to illness and stuff. Um, so the fact that we're all like healthy and here, yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, I think this morning I was grateful for the weather. I'm pretty sure that was one, grateful for the sun. Um, and I was grateful... Uh, I saw two of my really good friends yesterday, one of which I hadn't seen in a while, and I said I was very grateful to see them. Um, so it's always along those lines. Sometimes it might be, I'm grateful that I got bangers and mash for dinner. It could be, <laughs> it could be anything. I'd be grateful that the position Anything that I'm brings in. you a little bit of joy. Yeah, and I think as long as you truly feel grateful for it, you don't yeah. just fill up space. Like I, I write or I think what I am actually grateful for. And a lot of the time, it's always settled around like my relationship and family and friends uh, or my business. I feel hugely, hugely lucky um, hugely lucky for my business like that's that's the source of um loads of my happiness that i'm just like my own boss i give real value to the world i'm doing something that i love doing um so that's always a real big one i, he I heard a a quote earlier which i thought i'd i'd um i'd tell you about when you said you were you were grateful for the health of your family and yourself i read this when did i read this i read this like this afternoon somewhere on instagram popped up yeah and it was that if you don't make time now for health, make time later for illness. Nice. And I was like, like, oh. like a Dalai Lama one. Or yeah, yeah. yeah nice. I was like, oh, no. That, like, and, and, and a lot of the time with these sort of like inspirational quotes or these sort of mantras and stuff, I just think, oh, God, all right, whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I, th I see a lot of people sharing this crap that you know. Don't do it. <laughs> and they're sharing it because they, it's the path of least resistance. They think, oh, if I share it, maybe I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot Sounds of people, good. yeah, oh, oh yeah, people think I do this or, <laughs> oh, I want to do this. So I'm going to put this up and they never do it. And I see a lot of people who will tell you, they think they're movers and shakers and they think they're doing stuff mm. and they tell you about the thing before yeah. they do it because they get everyone to go, oh, that's amazing. What a great idea. Um, you should do that. Oh, I can't wait for it. Big they time. get all the gratification. They get all the, all the dopamine hits from, yeah, yeah. The from attention, it. The, the attention, the attention, the attention of it and they never do it. Definitely. Man, it's, I, it's the biggest thing on social media, right? Like everyone wants attention. That is, yeah. that's, that's what, that's what it's there for. You yeah. want attention. You want more likes and follows. Um, but there's really only a few ways to get attention. That's to do something incredible yeah. or to say you're going to do something incredible or to act extremely, act the victim, act very hard done by. Yeah. Right? And that is very easy. Most of the stuff you'll see 
um, on like Facebook will be people talking about how tough they've got it. Yeah. Most of the stuff you see on Instagram is people showing the best parts of their life and the things that they're going to do and inspirational quotes because it's very easy. Yeah. You don't see a lot of real achievement, real grind. And I, I really try... It's, because it's, that takes part, that takes place off of that. Yeah. You know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm not telling you I'm going to do it unless I'm damn sure I'm going to do it. But also and that you're going to do the work. Yeah, and some things I'm not going to tell you about until it's done and it's out there. And you can say, I And then it. here it is, I've done it. You Big know, I, I know so many people that they just, they want all of all the, all the praise, all the glory up front. Yeah. And then nothing comes of it because Big they, time. yeah. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's like two, you get these ultra competitive people and you think they'd be the people that just kill it over and over. Yeah. But the funny thing is, They'll say they're going to do something, but they'll never want to show the effort that goes into it because if they just say, oh, I didn't do that, they can just say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that because I didn't want to do it anymore. And that's like an easy get out of jail free card. Whereas if they show that they're actually working hard at it, instantly it's like, if I fail, they know that I tried, which right. hurts, which is horrible for a competitive person. So that's why people don't like showing the effort they're putting into it. They'd rather just say, I'm going to do this. And if they fail, they'll say, I chinned it off. I didn't want to do it. Right. Um, but to show the work... To, to be, to say like, I'm going to hit this weight. I'm going to be able to bench this much and then show yourself slaving away in the gym trying to get there and then get in there. You, you can you can say, I put the work in, I showed you and I did it, which yeah. is, um, it's rare, but it's uh, it makes it more special. Who do you look up to? Who are the guys that, that, that you look to? Because you have a lot of guys that look to you hmm. with your group chats and your training and coaching. They're looking at you for cues. They're looking at you to model their behavior. They're looking at you to dissect what makes you you, what, what gives you that edge that they're feeding from or being educated by. Hmm. Who gives you that, that edge? Because you're human like anyone else and you set challenges for people. Hmm. And, you know, you must do the same, you know, yeah. you've you got to lead by example, right? <coughs> I and do them because, I do them because I know they're useful for those guys. You, you have to be accountable to all those people then. Yeah. And I guess that is what gets you to the end of those things, right? Big time. But who yeah. do you look at? Like, I, I look at The Rock and I think, I love, and I, and I know he's the stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cliche, and he's not a stereotype at all. <laughs> uh, I know he's the cliche guy, for your hardest work in a room, sweat equity, yeah, you yeah. know, um, respect you earn or whatever it is you know um who do you look at when you go okay yeah you're you're feeding me something here there there's loads of different guys in different areas but if i had to pick one guy who i just think he like as a real like role model amazing it would easily be alex hormozy um he's he runs gym launch in uh i think in texas and he's just He's one of the most fascinating guys ever. And I actually model a load of my thought patterns um, on him. He, he's absolutely incredible. He's in amazing shape. He's a genetic freak. Right. Um, but in what he, way? Uh, well, some people can just look at a barber and pack on more muscle, right? But he's still got that work ethic. He, you know, he, he openly admits he, I'm a genetic freak, but he works his ass off. Um, he trains like crazy. He's got an amazing business. Um, and he, he thinks deeply about everything. And that's one thing I'm trying to do, just think deeply about every single thing, not just following the crowd, doing what everyone else is doing. He dissects it. He's like, right, this is happening. Like even to the point of, you know, when I said about your lecturer, um, understanding, oh shit, I, I operate better when I'm fasting. He does it with everything. He's like, oh, I did this and this happened. Therefore I will do more of this. And he's got a podcast called The Game, which right. is um, mainly talking about business, but the philosophy behind it and the, the thought patterns and the mindset is mind blowing. Like he is just a, he's just a workhorse, right. absolute workhorse. Got a 
what you know you don't know if it's a great marriage he's got what seems like a great marriage uh he's in great shape he's got an amazing business i think they did like 112 million last year and it's their fourth year of business wow. um just absolutely incredible um so he's probably the one guy that i'd look to as an all-round amazing role model type guy but you know there's, there's loads of difference for you know David Goggins for being a savage. You know. He's a savage. Yeah, different guys, different things. My dad for like his standards around, um, well, standards in general about how you operate and how you, you control yourself. Yeah, you know, there's my friends. I got an amazing group of friends who are genuinely like pretty inspiring in their different areas. So definitely surrounded by some cool dudes. I like to surround myself by people who are doing things mm. and spend time with people who are doing things because yeah. I do find that that holds you accountable to yourself in a way. It's mm. not so obvious. It's not like the thought process isn't obvious, but it's just that, you know, again, it's probably like that platoon thing. You know, you see everyone around you doing stuff, doing bits. Yeah, yeah. And you want to, you know, I don't want to get left behind. That's I, My friend Rich says something. Um, I don't know where he heard it or read it, but he was like, apparently if you... If you surround, if your six closest people to you are millionaires, yeah. you will be a millionaire within like five years. It was something crazy like that. Right. And then there's obviously loads of these cheesy Instagram quotes like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, that damn Pina one. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. true. Like who you surround yourself with has a huge impact, a huge impact. That's why it's so important to pick your partner well. It's so, it's so important to pick your business partner well. It's so important to not surround yourself with people who drain you because you, you'll get that a lot with like childhood friends who you'll be sat with and you'll just think, oh, wow, you are damaging to my mindset. Even right. to the point where I say my plans for the business, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Um, and they'll be like, oh, but what about this? And you just think, yeah, no, oh. Been that off. Yeah. It, it, and, and you have to realize this, is that, you know, if when when you win, we all win, yeah. right? So if, if, we're in a, if we're in a six lads in the pub, we might all be doing the, a different thing. But the success of each person is important. Big time. Yeah, yeah. I've, you want um, everyone to win. Yeah, you want it, everyone to dominate their game. What I've noticed, like, the more positive I get my mindset, I notice that I am just desperate for everyone around me to win. to like yeah. a high level, to the point where uh, I've got two friends at the moment that are leaving the army and they want to start a consultant business of sorts. So I'm just desperate to help them. I'm just like, do this, do this. I'm telling exactly all the shortcuts to be successful quicker, tell them all the mistakes I made that really fucked me up. Um, I'm desperate to help them. And like my close friends that, that want to get in shape, that are like, oh, can I buy a plan? I'll do it maybe next month on payday. I'm like, no, dude, here, here have it. I, I want you to do this. Like, I just, I desperately want everyone around me to win. Um, and that's actually rarer than, uh, it's, it's pretty rare. Like, it's, it's pretty crazy to see that when I look at other friendship groups and I'm like, you're telling me about your friend's achievement, but you sound very bitter. Mm. It's very strange, strange. They need to, to do some introspection and, mm. and do better yeah. themselves, right? <laughs> yeah. There will be. There, I feel that there's a very... There's a very thin line between the being on the bottom rungs of the ladder where the people are trying to pull you back down so that, that you're not mm. um, leaving them behind. And then there's the other bit when you've got the guys at the top that are going, come, come on, on up. Come on up because we're up here, we're winning and it yeah. is real good. Come in fact, Alex Hormozzi says it. He's like, everyone's so competitive in business. He says, me and the other five guy, guys, you know, multi, multi millions at the top of our game. If we find something that works in marketing, I'm calling them and telling them, I'm like, hey, by the way, we did this and it worked. Like you're just, you're sharing things. Yeah. And it's um, it's amazing to see. And that's what it needs to be like, right? If I, I train with, you know, Mike Rutt? I know Mike Rutt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I train with him and, you know, we are right, strength wise, we're super equal. Right. So one of us might get an edge one week and the other's going to get edge the other week. But the funny thing is, is when one of us gets an edge, the other one is desperate for the other one to catch up and be like, if I, like, you know, if, 
Mike pulls two ten on a deadlift, which he did, and right. I I couldn't do that. And Mike was just desperate. He was like, "Come on, if you do this, you can try." And and then within you know two weeks, I was pulling it, and, and he got me there. And he right. was he was super pumped when I did it. Not like oh shit, like now he's on my level. Like he was just excited about it. Like you just gotta surround yourself with people who who want you to win. Yeah, and then you can't really lose because you don't want to let them down. Yeah, I love it. And going back to that guy that you said was a genetic freak. There's mm. the other, and I always try and I've tried to quote this a few times recently. Oh. And I can't quite get the quote right, but the, the essence of it is, you know, um, that talent fails where like hard work succeeds. Mm. And I think it's because, you know, you can have these, and a lot of these people are that, that, that sort of double bill of being insanely talented or naturally talented and they put the work in. Because you get a lot of people who are, they're born gifted at something. <laughs> And so they just think that it's always going to be that way. And, yeah. and then they don't really get as far as they could. And the guy that's really, really hungry, but doesn't necessarily or isn't born with the affinity for playing the drums, let's say, puts the work in, the work in, the work in, the hours in, the hours in. Mm. And they're the ones that, that succeed and in, in, in get there. Big time. Yeah. I've, I've met so many guys who are, I've met guys that are genetic freaks yeah. and guys that are in way better shape than them because they outwork them. Yeah. If a guy that's a genetic freak did the same as... Did the, you know, had the same work ethic, then yeah. yeah, they would overtake them. But no one does. If you just say, right, you know what, I'm just going to work as hard as I possibly can, you're going to do better than, you know, everyone else out there is naturally gifted because it's so rare to work your ass off. Yeah. It's a really, really rare, especially rare to work smart. I mean, a lot of people will work what they perceive as being hard, but working smart and doing the right thing over and over and over again daily is, is the rarest thing I've ever seen. Like right. the guys that, my clients that are like, life-changing, mind-blown, completely new lives, they, they just did the same thing every day instead of six days a week. That's right. the only difference. They did it every single day. And that compounding is terrifying, like super, like it's like a superpower. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I just, I just, I love the, I love the analogy of, um, you know, while, you know, while everyone's out at the pub getting pissed up, mm. someone is at home working on it. Yeah, and I try to I try to do that. It's, it, it, but like you said, balance is important, you know. In, in, and I like the fact that within your social media stuff, you do celebrate the fact that you're out having a drink or you're having a takeaway and stuff. And I, and there is a balance. But there has definitely been many, many times in my life in the last few years where I would rather be here on a Friday night doing this as we than, are, <laughs> as we are. Um, then, then down the pub, wasting my money and not doing anything, not mm. achieving anything, because you have a lot of bullshit conversations in the pub as well. well it's projection as well. You want to? Yeah. It's how you, how do you want to feel tomorrow? Like you just want to you want to wake up hungover? Or do yeah. you want to feel fresh? It's it's easy decision. Yeah. It's, do you want to? If you focus on being better every day, it doesn't really leave any time. And, and obviously, that doesn't mean you're going to have more money or be in better shape. But in every area, yeah. like I might I, like I'm not doing any work after this. When I leave and go home, I won't do work because I'm like I need to be better tomorrow. I'll be like, well, I want my relationship to be even stronger tomorrow. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, in fact, I got a friend coming around, but you know, I'll still Amber's still there. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll all watch a film. Uh, we're going to watch yesterday. We're going to get pizza. It's going to be it's going to be an amazing. Like yesterday night. about the Beatles stuff. Yeah, it's a great I, one. Oh. It's not like the most incredible film I've ever seen, but it's a fun, good. Film. I am yeah. obsessed with watching it. it. It was whenever it came out, I was hammering it was to Mike actually, Mike right. and Lauren, and me and Amber would we get together and have our little movie nights. And I'm like, let's watch yesterday, watch yesterday. And they just, I think it's because I wanted to so badly, yeah. they wouldn't watch it. And yeah. I just laid it down. I'm like, tonight we are watching yesterday. Right. 
it's happening. Yesterday is great. And then also check out the Springsteen uh, biopic one about the kid growing up in Luton. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. I'll tell you it after. Yeah, yeah. But it's... Um, it's amazing. It's kind of, they're very similar vibes, actually. It's kind of like told through the music <laughs> oh, okay. of, of an artist. But that's an inspiring story as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, fantastic. I think we've come to the come to the end of it. Is there anything else you want to you wanna like plug and say or what? anything else you want to cover? Um, We're going to leave links and everything in, in the description. Yeah, leave links. I've got nothing to say anyone. I'd say grab some cookie butter, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, just uh, jump over to, if, if you are... If you are looking to optimize yourself, my biggest advice is to not wait. A lot of people wait. I get a lot of guys that jump on a call with me and say, oh, I saw you last year and it's just got worse and worse and worse. If there's even an inkling in your head that you think, you know what, I, I think I'm ready to just become a real a killer, a dominator, right? I'm ready to take life to the next level and get in the best shape of my life, become mentally the 2.0 version of myself. Um, doesn't have to be me, just, just do something. Do something like today, not tomorrow. Do something now. Buy a book. Buy some gym kit. Jump onto truebrawlmovement.com um, and, and look at the loads of free resources we've got that are going to help you get there. Um, and if it's the right step, then I guess I'll, uh, I'll speak to you on the phone. Big, big thank you to my guest this week, Johnny Collins. We are going to leave links to his businesses and his coaching and his social media in the show notes descriptions. If you liked this and you've got a friend who you think needs a bit of coaching or needs some inspiration, needs to get out of a rut, please send this to them. It really does help. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave reviews for your podcast goodness. Um, what else is there? You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at the Giant Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Andy underscore S1S. This podcast was produced by the king and the man with the laminated biff chit, Harry Williams. We will see you next week on the giant pod. Thanks very much. See you next time.